Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a good show. I'm going to give a little history lesson. I'm going to compare it to what people understand about the so-called vote and the freedom and the representation of the Republicans and Trump getting ripped off and this unfair impeachment and all this crap and it opened people's eyes by showing what really is in the Constitution and how it's actually been used and is completely constitutional to do. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer, practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell people the truth like I do in this show. Most of the time it's truth they've never heard and they can't believe, but they can go research and they'll find out it's true. I'm also self-certified as a master practitioner. Gave myself that award almost 20 years ago for figuring out this whole con. And I recently gave myself a Lifetime Achievement Award for the work I've done here on these podcasts. So I've got a lot of tremendous, great fake awards, and I'm sure there'll be more in my future. (laughs) All right, let's stop fooling around and get the show going. So I want to make a show... It's going to be a hodgepodge. I don't know how it's going to work out, quite frankly, but I want to make a show about the things people don't seem to understand about the details of the Constitution and the way it's actually worked and what can actually be done with it and how all these notions of representations and freedom and voting and liberty and rights and and the people's will and all this shit that it's just 100% totally confused ball in the minds of the people. And the reality is the devil's always in the details, in the law especially. And that is that the large print giveth and the small print taketh away. And if you don't understand the way language can be read and interpreted to mean something completely different than what you thought it meant, then there's really no way for me to get through to you except for example after example. And that's what I try to do. I try to show people that these things that are in the Constitution, that these jokers on radio and TV and in print run around acting like are so clear, our values and this and the freedom and the First Amendment, these vague Barnum statements that in reality when you start parsing the language, it just falls apart. If you see enough of them, you can start to understand that this is the con job, that it's always been a con job. The idea that you can have this representative government and scale it up to hundreds of millions of people is idiotic. I've told people again and again, one of my more recent shows, I explained to people that you'd need 40 to 50,000 representatives to have the equivalent representation proportional to the first Congress. And that would be if the government wasn't doing anything else. People back then wouldn't recognize our government with Department of Transportation and Energy and HHS and the Department of Homeland Security and all these agencies everywhere subsidizing this and that and the tax system and all these tax breaks and exclusions and credits. And they wouldn't recognize it. Okay, so they would never have agreed to this. And if they would ever have gotten agreement, they would have needed way more representation before they would have agreed to it. That's why I say, to be honest, considering how much bigger the government is, I think you probably need several hundred thousand representatives up there uh, before you could ever have anything close to a system that people would have actually agreed to. And of course, that's totally unworkable and impossible. And I've given people example after example. But I think this stupid January 6th hearing, the absurd impeachment thing that went on, all this blather about the vote mattering so much, 
I want to read a couple things to you guys about the Constitution and then explain it in the nature of the Andrew Johnson impeachment, which I doubt anybody, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there are some people who know it because there's a lot of people who are history buffs and there's some very bright people who listen to my show. Let's just say that the vast, vast majority of people, they don't have the slightest idea what Johnson was impeached for, what was going on then, what a bunch of hypocrites the Republicans are now, what horrible actors they were back then, how bad the Civil War was, how the entire Constitution, it was blown apart. Absolutely no possibility we have the constitutional union of voluntary agreement between anybody at this point because because a war was was fought to bring half the states back in and force them into this system. And Reconstruction was the same kind of thing, where they actually had military governments in there. And that's how the 14th Amendment even got passed. They had to haul those people out, put a military government in, and then have them revote. And I've told that story as well inside of uh, one of my episodes. But what I want to do is I want to read some language because I was looking at the House rules just briefly, and people don't seem to understand that the House makes its own rules. See, the House decides. It makes its own rules. And guess what? Those rules are where just an incredible amount of mischief occurs. I mean, an incredible amount with the committee this and the committee that. Who can sit on it? Who presents the bill? Whether you read the bill, don't read the bill. Can it be amended, not amended? Who has to vote on it? What's a quorum? How can it be brought back up? When does it die? When does it go into the record? Endless amounts of rules that have absolutely nothing to do with the Constitution because the reality is it's not in the Constitution. They're just entitled to make their own rules. And they make these ridiculous rules up. And in fact, what people don't seem to understand is that all of the so-called secrecy that's being done by the agencies everywhere, which are all executive agencies. They aren't House agencies. They, they aren't House agencies. These are executive agencies. And yet they supposedly hinge on this concept that the House... Uh, in its own proceedings, can keep certain parts of its proceedings so-called secret if it believes that it should. Okay, well, it's a House proceeding. That means they can take testimony in secret in some form or fashion or keep some other thing secret if they need to gather information. It doesn't mean that they can extend that out and create executive agencies, which run with millions of employees just keeping any and everything secret. But, of course, that's how it has been interpreted. And I've done a whole show on national security and just showed that Supreme Court cases are complete crap in the area. But because there's so much talk about elections being stolen and and what they did in the impeachment, I wanted to do this kind of show and read some of the text of the Constitution, which people, they don't read, of course. They don't have any idea that's in there. And all they get is these very broad Barnum statements. But let's look at Article 1, Section 5 of the Constitution, and it says that each House, meaning the Senate and the House of Representatives, shall be the judge of the elections, comma, returns and qualifications of its own members, comma, and a majority of each shall constitute a quorum to do business. So it goes on, says some other stuff that doesn't matter. I want to focus on this idea that each House shall be the judge of the elections, returns, and qualifications of its own members. (laughs) And I want to discuss the fact that the House of Representatives shall be in charge of making its own rules. And that's in the very next paragraph of Section 5, which it says, each House, again, meaning the Senate and the House of Representatives, may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and with the concurrence of two-thirds, 
expel a member. Okay, that's an important piece because it takes two-thirds to expel a member. But how many does it take to not seat a member? To find, in effect, from paragraph one, that they are the sole judge of the returns and qualifications of its own members. How many? Well, the Constitution silent on it. So the House, making its own rules, has decided that a majority vote is sufficient to not seat a member. So the scenario is simple. You have Republicans in House, and they have a majority. The time comes where they have this formal swearing in, and they announce the members of the House. They're read off the roll. It's all this formality. Again, not no part in the Constitution. These are just the rules they've created. Anybody can go look them up. Well, if they just decide they're not going to read the names of the Democrats who are in a minority, they can do that. And guess what? They're no longer seated. They no longer have any representation from that state. They can just eliminate them by failing to seat them. And if you don't think that can happen, it's because you don't know the history because the people are intentionally not taught it. But that's exactly what happened after the Civil War. The Republicans simply refused to seat the Democrats from the southern states. They just didn't seat them. So the people in the South had no representation. They just proceeded to pass the Reconstruction shit and then ultimately put in a military government into their houses. So they simply refused to seat them. Did you know that? Did you understand that? You see how insane this is, that this... This idea that they can just make whatever rules they want and that they're the sole judge of their elections, returns, and qualifications, well, this is how it can actually be read. you think the people would agree to this? Do you think the people who voted to so-called ratify the Constitution understood that at any time, if they're in a minority position, the majority can just simply keep their representative out of the House, just not seat them by simply a majority vote? And then you don't even have a representative in there. And the whole thing can continue on because they can get a quorum. <laughs> That's it. It's it. And so it's difficult to understand how ridiculous this whole thing is until you start parsing it like a lawyer and then looking at the real history. I doubt very many people understood that what happened after the Civil War with Johnson and the House and the Senate was as outrageous as, in fact, it was. But I've just given you a idea that right now nobody would be able to complain if the Democrats, with their majority, simply refused to seat the Republicans or just refused to seat a bunch of problematic Republicans. Just refused to. They could do that in the Senate if they had a majority as well. Just refused to seat them. (laughs) You just don't have any representation. What can you do about it? What would your recourse be? You have no recourse because the Constitution is clear. The House, both houses, are the judge of the qualifications for their members. And if they choose to not judge that the duly elected congressmen or senators from state aren't appropriate, then they have all the power to just refuse to seat them. And the Supreme Court would have nothing to say about it because that would be something that would be non-justiciable, meaning that this is not something the Supreme Court has a say in because the Congress 
is the one who the Constitution gives that authority to. And the Supreme Court doesn't have the right to step in and oversee that. You see that? So that could be happening right now. And it doesn't happen right now because, they, again, they want to make sure that people never catch on to what's really going on in the system. See, they don't ever want people to catch on to what's really actually going on, what could go on. And if you understand, you read through the rules, and I may do a show or two about the rules and the insanity of the rules. If you look through them, it's just page after page after page after page of insane rules, just crazy rules that are how the actual work gets done. I've told people again and again that in the court cases, really the vast majority of things that matter are procedural. They aren't really substantive. You have 30 days to do this, and you must respond with that, and you've got a burden to prove this, and you've got the uh, shifting burden that, and the exclusion of evidence this. These are all procedural matters. And sometimes there's a blurring of lines between what's substance and what's procedure. But, of course, because procedure ultimately is all substantive, that, look, if you're barred from a claim, from filing a claim, right, because you've missed the so-called statute of limitations, is that substantive or is that procedural? Now you can't file your claim. You have a perfectly valid claim but you have no way to recover on it. Is that procedural or is it substantive? Well, they would tell you that it's procedural because it's a procedural matter of how much time you get. That's procedural. But you can see how it's substantive because now you're completely and totally screwed, right? (laughs) And there's endless things like this in the law. Well, there's endless things like this in the way the entire Congress meets and works and Robert's rules of orders and all these different things they do. But think about this. If you have a congressman who's got a lot of tenure and they get on all these committees and getting on these committees and being the chair of the committees, they have tremendous amounts of power. Well, there's nothing about that in the Constitution with regards to how it's supposed to work. Again, it's just left to the Congress and they can just make their own rules. So they just vote in whatever kind of rules they want and they can change the rules whenever they want. All it takes is these majorities. But if you're a first term congressman, you don't have any power. And this is apart from the fact that the political parties themselves control a huge amount of power and they have nothing to do with the Constitution. They're completely outside that and it's almost impossible to make them do anything because they have nothing to do with the Constitution. But the parties, they can provide all sorts of support to candidates. That's in addition to redistricting abilities to make sure that the congressional district is protected and safe because they do all this bullshit with the census and figure out who is in where and where they vote and all these questions they ask and then they just draw these lines so you have a safe district. Or they can redistrict it and they can blow you up. <laughs> and all of this stuff is completely and totally outside the courts. They, they have basically nothing to say about it unless they want to claim some 14th Amendment unequal protection, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to work because the fact that the Congress gets to make the decisions about its own rules. Now, sure, redistricting, they can make some claim, but I'm just telling you that with regards to the way they can manipulate things, a first-term congressman has almost no power. How does that make sense? How does a system where your congressman doesn't have as much power as another congressman from another district, how does that make sense? How does that equal representation? I don't get it. The, the incentive is for the voters in each district to keep their incredibly crooked congressman who can then bring back pork to their district and screw everybody else. Highly incentivized by this very system, by the structure of the system itself. That's what happens. Well, look around. What do you see? You see these people you can never get out of office, right? That have incredible power, that are incredibly corrupt on every side. Well, this is why. 
because of the way the system's set up. And it has nothing to do with the voting and the freedom and the liberty and all the stupid shit you hear in constitutional talk radio. See, absolutely nothing whatsoever. And so I wanted to give that example and show people that the language in there is what's the problem. The construct of the system is the problem. The idea that they could ever scale up to hundreds of millions of people is the problem. The fact that the government itself is in charge of determining all these things on behalf of the government is the problem. The fact that in Article 6, the Congress can't be held responsible for anything they basically do up there. Okay, that's a problem. (laughs) These are the problems that this construct is not this incredible freedom machine that people imagine. It's just not. And all this talk about how unfair it was to Donald Trump and all this other stupid shit, it's so funny to me. It's turnabout as fair play. The Republicans were the worst as far as trampling over people. Just the worst. And not only did they cause the Civil War by going to war with people who disagreed with them and who had voluntarily left the Union, but when they supposedly tried to come back in, They refused to even allow them to have representatives in the Congress, even though they had a massive uh, majority, so it didn't matter. They were going to be a small minority anyway. But (laughs) that's what happened. They just didn't allow them to come in. So I'm sorry for me not buying this idea that the Republican Party is the party of Lincoln and and the incredible freedom machine and all this other shit. What they've done is the worst. And Reconstruction... They were fighting with the president, Johnson, about it. Johnson was uh, the only kind of Southern senator who'd been loyal to the Union, which, again, I don't care. Don't want to get into the details of it, but you can't have a war to hold a Union together. But the entire concept that the thing was a rebellion is completely and totally defied by the fact that they had a separate country and that the Republicans, when they war was over, they didn't want to let the Democrats back into the Union, in effect. They didn't want to allow them back in unless they, you know, were sufficiently contrite and controlled through Reconstruction. Well, if you have to be let back in, that means you were out. So it wasn't a rebellion. It was a war of aggression to subjugate the people in the South under the guise of freeing people that were slaves. And I've said it again and again. You can go down and have a war, free slaves, but you can't then claim that the union is a voluntary union of the states and people in it. You just can't. It's a total impossibility. You can't do both. But they try to do both, and that's why I point these kinds of insane things out. And Johnson was not in favor of this kind of abuse against the South. He thought it needed to be more cooperative, and he wasn't in favor of not seating the South into the Congress, but the Congress didn't care. And so the Congress simply passed an act called the Tenure of Office Act in 1868. And basically what it did was it eliminated the president's ability to control his own cabinet and staff, that he wasn't allowed to fire people. And one of the people he tried to fire basically when he tried to get rid of Lincoln's old war secretary and put Grant in there, and they sort of had a fight with the House and the Congress. And when you have this kind of fight, the Congress was insisting that he not be allowed to do that, that he has to have his cabinet 
and all these executive positions run by the Congress. He, he doesn't actually get to choose that. And because Johnson defied that and tried to put in different people, he got impeached for a violation of this made-up act that Congress had passed over a veto. So you've got a Congress that's not allowed the Democrats even to set, passes a law to take control of the presidency, and then impeaches the president based upon this law they've passed, which takes all of his power. And they had a big trial, of course, the impeachment trial, and he wasn't actually removed from office, and I think it was one vote difference. But it went on for a long time, and it was a huge public event. They sold, I don't know if they sold them, but they had big tickets, and getting tickets to the thing each day was a big deal so they could watch the trial. But this is the kind of absolute buffoonery that's gone on in our government that people try to claim was this amazing thing. And what happened with it later? It was later repealed, is what they call it. It really wasn't repealed at that point. And then it was ultimately this act that they impeached him on was found to be unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. So the act was found to be unconstitutional that they used to impeach Johnson. So when Republicans complain about the treatment Trump got, it's beyond hollow and preposterous because they don't tell the real story of what Republicans are. Republicans jammed all the legal tender laws down our throats. Republicans basically screwed us in the worst kinds of ways financially and grew the power of the federal government phenomenally. And this absurd impeachment of the president for violating a law which was in fact unconstitutional, but it hadn't been rendered as such by the Supreme Court, shows you that structurally, functionally, all these checks and balances people imagine exist, they don't actually work in any form or fashion to do what people imagine. They just don't. And there's so many reasons for it, but the example of Johnson's impeachment is so clear. See, they make it this confused ball when they teach it in public schools because when you understand, if you strip out all the nonsense and you understand what actually happened, like I just told you, those are the facts. Those are the basic facts. You can see that the idea that the people, anyone who's in a minority, can ever be protected by this insane system is utterly ludicrous. The idea that you're ever going to get at these congressmen who are corrupt as hell, you're never going to. The structure of the system doesn't work. See, it doesn't work. If Congress can not seat people, then pass a law, that's unconstitutional, and override the presidential veto, and then impeach the president for violations of an unconstitutional law, And but for one vote, they would have simply removed him. And, of course, that's just chance. That's not anything but chance. And, and there's all sorts of reasons for that as well. But you can see how it works is that the Congress can do these things act completely outside of any bounds, and there's really no way to rein them in. The idea that there's checks and balances is a fantasy. See, it's a complete fantasy. It also shows you, again, that the idea that there's three co-equal branches is utter and complete nonsense. See, it's utter and complete nonsense. The Congress has all the power. Congress has all the power, and the president is weak if they care to make him weak, and the courts are virtually useless because they can just eliminate them. They can just eliminate them. The vast majority of the courts can just be eliminated because they only even exist because Congress has created them. 
there's a very, very small number of what they call original jurisdiction cases inside the Constitution. Those are cases that have to start inside the Supreme Court and or that the federal courts must have control over. But you could just have the Supreme Court and it could be a trial court and an appellate court at the same time. It could just be the same thing. That's all. You don't have to have a trial court. You just have the Supreme Court and it would try these original jurisdiction cases and that's it. That's what you would get. <laughs> That's all you would have. There's nothing that stops that. They, they have this giant illusion going because they want people to not understand the actual system and the way it works. And the people who are constitutional conservatives, they're just, they're a bunch of sycophants. And they suck up to the Constitution as though it's this incredible, brilliant document, as opposed to telling people what the document actually says, like a lawyer who is giving you actual advice, which is what I do. I look at the document, I show you what the document is, how it can actually be used, and how it actually has been used. And it becomes very clear that the document itself, if it was ever a contract, is preposterous. But even if it's some kind of other thing, hybrid thing, that it sucks. It's not good. It doesn't help. It doesn't protect minority rights. There aren't three co-equal branches. It's just all made up. And until people can start opening their eyes to the system we actually have and stop listening to the complete and total liars called constitutional conservatives who are just the worst kind of state apologists trying to put you into a prison, we have no chance. See, that's why I'm so hard on them, because the people who hear my message and who want freedom and liberty and understand what's actually going on and and whose heads explode when I tell them these kinds of things— like I do in this show, they would all be on my side. We would have all these people if they were getting the truth all along. But instead, they get these lies, endless lies from media and academia and government, on and on and on about the Constitution, the freedom and the founders and blah, 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 the Civil War and the freedom and the freedom. Oh, did I tell you about the freedom of liberty and the small government, the limited government? Did I tell you about all that and the way the Constitution is a brilliant document, it's the greatest document with the freest, greatest? Did I tell you all about that? That's what they get their whole lives. And so... Most people, when they're confronted with facts like I give people, which anybody can go look my facts up, it's not complicated. It's not controversial. It's just the way they present it is confused and hidden so people don't get the message. But I'm showing you that the idea that the Republicans are the party of anything about freedom or liberty, it's laughable. The idea that they're upset that they're being treated in this unfair way by the Democrats is laughable. What they've done is 100 times worse. They're all hypocrites. See, they're all on the same team, which is team government, to screw the people. That's all it is now. And ever since the Civil War, there's been literally no resistance to it. Up to the Civil War, there was. Uh, up to the Civil War there was. And then when the South determined that they could never be free, they were a permanent minority. They'd always be screwed because they understood the way the document worked. They voted to leave and they left. And they started their own country and they said, leave us alone. And that wasn't enough for the North and the bankers in the North and the industrialists in the North. They wanted to subjugate the South and completely dominate it. And that's what they did. And they used this absurd cover about the freeing the slaves and all the blacks and this crap and fighting for freedom. It's all fantasy. It's all fantasy. It's all about government power. It's all it was about. And it's as much of a lie as weapons of mass destruction when they're really fighting for oil and all sorts of other things. It's all just lies. The government lies all the time. That's all they know how to do because the government itself is a lie. The fundamental concepts uh, that somehow you're being represented is fair. It's all lies. The purpose of government, if you read Oppenheimer, is very clear, and that's basically it. it's founded in criminality 
and then it's just designed so that a small group of people can control the power and have a monopoly on force and keep control of a large group and just simply uh, rip them off, just suck them dry. And anyone can look around and see that, double, triple, quadruple standards. And examples like I just gave you, like reading the Constitution and then explaining to you how badly abused it's been in these simple cases and comparing it to the way you get fed media today by the people who claim to be on your side, constitutional conservatives, should wake people up to how stupid this system is and how it can never work. And the only kinds of solutions are the kinds of solutions I've given people. Massive decentralization, people need to understand jury trials so that we can at least fight a holding action and prevent it uh, the abuse right now, and then get rid of the system we have it has to be massively decentralized and defanged, declawed entirely. It just has to be. If it isn't, if it's not done very, very soon, it's going to be over once they have the electronic prison up because we never had electronic prison, the ability to lock the people down like we do now. So it's not going to be another generation that's going to be able to come back and fight. It's not going to work. Hard times create hard men. Hard men create good times, and good times create soft men, and soft men create hard times. That's not going to keep rotating like that because they're not going to have any men. They're going to kill them all. They're going to put them all in electronic prisons and shut everybody down. It's not going to work. And the people we need are all brainwashed by constitutional conservatives running around waving flags, both flags, the American flag, the don't tread on me, and then the back the blue because they don't understand what government is. They're so fundamentally lied to about what our government is, what government itself is, and how our government has actually behaved and what it actually does. They just don't have any idea. So I hope people, maybe they'll look into these things I just discussed, and they'll find out for themselves that they're all true. (laughs) And they'll see what a joke this idea is that we're the greatest, freest, patriotic, blah, blah, blah. Stupid. This is why I detest that whole thing, because it's massive brainwashing. But it's pretty incredible if you sit down and look at it, and I think that's pretty much all I'm going to say about the matter today. And I hope people enjoy that, and for people who want to hear some more about it, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Legal Man at U.S. Law Review, however long I'm there. And you can go to the Patreon. I've got all my old shows in there. If you become a member, you get access to all the old shows, and there's a ton of them, a couple hundred shows. I also opened a Telegram channel. For the public, which I don't use much, but inside Patreon, I have the Telegram channel and a forum so people can talk in there and the members get to chat in there. And it's a lot, it's a nice place to share information on like the social media. It's not nearly as restricted since I moderate it. And there's a lot of really smart, funny people in there. It's a really, I think it's a nice feature. People seem to be enjoying it. I just started it not that long ago and people seem to be enjoying it. And there's uh, update on the movie is the same. It's a Jones Plantation written by Larkin Rose, a great allegory about going from chattel slavery to debt slavery. And I play Mr. Jones. It's coming out this fall. I hope people support that movie and make it make a lot of money and let a lot of people watch it because if we can make money with it, we can make more movies like that. It's going to be a really great medium to reach people. And we hope that we can counter some of this endless propaganda people get about the Constitution and uh, the freedom fighting. So that's all I have to say about that, as Forrest Gump would say. (laughs) And beyond that, I think there's nothing else to say, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been in great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody.
Put your hands together one more time for Legal Man.